Thank you for that. Uh, I am connected now. It's really good to visit, to, to welcome everybody, uh, those at home uh, who are watching online, and of course the folk in the church. It's good to see all of you. Uh, a very a warm welcome to David and Lily Ball. Uh, they're down from Greek, uh, Greece at least. They speak Greek almost, but uh, it's really good to have you. Uh, missionaries of our church, they'll be speaking uh, in the services in two weeks' time, so make sure you're here. And then uh, it's really good uh, to welcome a very old friend and a colleague, uh, should I say a couple, a pastor of pastors, uh, Martin and Alta Fenikak. Look charismatic for a moment. Uh, uh, it's good to, uh, I don't think I've seen them for about, I'm trying to work out about 14 years. Uh, they were colleagues in um, Swakopmund in Namibia uh, a number of years ago, a great friend. And uh, it's great that they're down in, in Johannesburg and Pretoria. And it's good to have you in our service. And, and then to other visitors, are there any other visitors for the first time in our church? Anybody else? Great to have you. Uh, please connect with our Connect Decks afterwards. Uh, it's good to welcome you. Uh, anybody else who's here for the second or third time, it's good to have you back. So it's really wonderful. Um, then just to remind you, I forgot last week, uh, Linda reminded me to ask folk, uh, we're needing folk to help with the tea ministry. Uh, we'd like groups to do it and individuals. Uh, so uh, Linda's going to stand with her automatic gun at the, at the door, and uh, she'd like to sign you up as you leave uh, the, 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 the church. Um, and then the ladies, uh, hopefully you'll get the pulse. Uh, the last few pages are all about the ladies' ministry, and um, uh, Corin has taken a great effort to put some things together about the ladies. Is Corin here this morning? There she is. Thank you, Corin, uh, for doing that. Please read that, all the ladies. Uh, and then very importantly, uh, this coming week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, is our prayer week, 7 o'clock at the church, 7 to 8. It's one hour, unless the Lord comes and something happens, which we hope it does happen. Uh, but it's so important to pray for our church, for our theme of God's Word above all else. Uh, we're going to commit ourselves to God's Word and ask God to work through His Word. Um, so I'd like to ask every family to at least send one person one evening. It'll be uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 7 to 8. And we'd really love you to be here. Um, and then tonight uh, we have a presentation, uh, Know Your Bible. Uh, Jen Wilkman will be doing the first part. It's a, it's a, it's a, you don't have to interact. It's a, it's a, a film. Um, and it's going to be tonight's service. Really important. Uh, if you want to be inspired about using God's Word and the power of God's Word, I want you to be here tonight. It's a really special presentation. It sort of flows into a theme of God's Word above all else. So I want to invite every one of you, I hope the church is packed out, um, and be here tonight, part one tonight, part two next Sunday evening. Uh, then we'll have... Um, uh, slips my mind. Um, Matt Chandler, that's right. Uh, Matt Chandler will be the, uh, the following week. Uh, so please... Come to that. And then next Sunday morning is our celebration Sunday where we celebrate the Word of God. And I've got a biographical sermon about some famous uh, person, not in the Bible, outside the Bible. We'll hear about that next week. Um, and then after that, our cell group starts with our theme on James. And so hopefully uh, all of you by now have got your James manual. Uh, Linda will be outside. If you need a manual, please uh, get one from her. Um, and then if you'd like to join a group, uh, Marlene and I will be outside to help you. There are some group leaders. Maybe the group leaders here are going to stand quickly, very quickly. Uh, all the group leaders, life group leaders, you can stand up. Don't be shy. Okay, there are a few of you here, lots of you here. Uh, very good. Uh, Ralph and Maria, uh, Mary Anna, uh, they are starting a new group um, on Wednesday evening, 7.30. Uh, they're on just above the road in, in, in Watercliffe Ridge. Um, so they'd love to hear from you. Maybe you're going to stick around a bit, the two of you, afterwards. If you live in this area, Watercliffe Ridge, they're starting that group. And then I'm starting a new James group. For those of you who can't get out at night, maybe you've got kids at home or something, I'm starting an online group over Zoom. And you can just chat to me and we'll put you on that group. Um, so please be part of a group. We'd love you to do that. And if you haven't already, um, I think a week ago we sent out five clips uh, the first two about 12 minutes and the rest are five minutes, just how to do inductive Bible study. Um, and then Marlene has put together this little bookmark, uh, the outline of how to do an inductive Bible study, and she'll be at the door. And if you'd like one, it just reminds you of the whole process and the questions you ask 
of how to study the Bible for yourself. You don't need another book. All you need is a Bible, and, and this is really a big help. Marlene will be at the door. Please grab your copy of that. And then on the week of the 31st of January, going into February, uh, is week one. By then, hopefully, you have looked at the introduction chapter uh, in your manuals of, of James. So they'll start that week. So please don't miss out that. And then last but not least, our Bible school continues, um, the BDC students, and this semester we're looking at the overview of partial care. So if you love to minister to people and you want to grow in that, um, then chat to me and we'll give you more information. Um, I think it's 13 weeks or 13 sessions, there's material and so on, um, and you need to register for that in the next week. So if you'd like to be part of that, speak to me um, after the service. Right. If you'll turn your Bibles or your tablets or your laptops, whatever it is at home, uh, to Psalm 101. Uh, this is the final in our series, um, Real Life in a Real World, uh, our study of the Psalms. And today we're looking face to face with a purposeless life. Now, last week, and I really feel bad because Arnold isn't here this morning. I'm not speaking behind his back. He's probably watching me online anyway. But after last Sunday, those of you in the service, how many of you in the service last week? Most of you, wonderful. Uh, after last Sunday, Arnold has a new purpose in love, in, in life, sorry. A new purpose in life, and that is to get the dishes done at home. Now, uh, after last Sunday, if you weren't here last Sunday, if you're at home, you wouldn't know what's going on. So it's a good reason to be at church to hear what's going on amongst the people here. Uh, but after last Sunday, I, I sent Arnold an, a WhatsApp and I asked him the question, did Joy allow you into the house after the morning service? Uh, the reply came, and I quote, take notes, only if I promised to wash the dishes for the rest of the year. So Arnold has a new purpose in life to, to get the dishes done. Now if you're in, my, in, in my house, you know that that's a, quite a battle, an uphill battle uh, with our kids sometimes. Uh, I'm saying getting a finger here, but, uh, so I won't say anything more. Uh, of course, I'm only joking about Arnold. He wasn't locked out. I better say it because he isn't here today and I'll get into trouble. Um, but all of us know people who lack purpose in life who are drifting aimlessly through, through life. They, they're heading in, in no specific direction. There's no real objective in life. Someone who just finished uh, matric, and they got their results. We, uh, our kids got them last week. I'm very proud of my daughter. Won't say anything more than that. Uh, they got their results, and, and somebody was asked... Uh, okay, she, she got six A's. Very proud of her. Uh, but somebody was asked, what are you going to do? And the answer came, plans, I'm, I'm going to lunch. Some live purposeless lives. Jonathan Edwards was a man of purpose, one of the, the greatest ma uh, 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 minds that uh, America, the USA, has uh, produced. He was a leader in the 1740 revivals, used mightily, mightily by, by God. And at the age of 18 years, uh, uh, years old, he started on his resolutions. Uh, eventually, he'd write 70 of these resolutions that would frame his life, give his life, direction and his biographer wrote the following amidst all this uncertainty and flux this young man Jonathan Edwards needed both a place to stand and a compass for some direction so he took to writing he kept a diary and pen some guidelines which he came to call his resolutions these resolutions would supply both that place for him to stand and a compass to guide him as he made his way. He wrote the following, Being sensible that I'm unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace 
to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. Now, if you've read through the uh, sections of the, these resolutions, 70 resolutions, you will know that they're divided up into different sections. He, he sort of categorized into different sections these 70 uh, uh, resolutions. And he starts off with his overall life purpose. Resolution chapter 1, sorry, resolution 1 says the following. Resolve that I will do whatever, whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory and my own good, profit and pleasure in the whole of my duration without any consideration of the time, whether now or never so many myriad of ages hence. Resolve to do whatever I think to be my duty and, and most for the good and advantage of mankind in general. Resolved to do this, whatever difficulties I meet, with how many and how great soever. There was his first re resolution, and then the sixth resolution he wrote, Resolved to live with all my might, while I do live. This man wanted to live life to the full and then when you get to the, the section about his spiritual life, and, and under that he's got a section about assurance, about being sure of his salvation, about being a, a child of God. Number 25, resolve to examine carefully and constantly what the one thing in me is which causes me in the least to doubt the love of God and to respect, sorry, and to dis. Sorry, to direct all my forces against it. Jonathan Edwards was a, a man of purpose and his life would bear that out. Why? Well, one of the reasons is he set up these directions, these uh, guidelines for his life. I think of Billy Graham, that great evangelist. He passed away recently. And right at the beginning of his ministry, uh, he reflected on many of the, the great evangelists of his day. And he realized that so many of them had fallen. Uh, their ministries had been destroyed because of sin. And, and he and his team, they, they sat down and they wrote down resolutions or, or things that would guide them through their ministry to keep them from going off track. Then we've got... Uh, if the young people are here, are there any young people here, what's called the, the silver ring thing. How many of you have heard of that? Uh, I think it's by Focus on the Family. Uh, you get a ring and you put it in your finger. It's a commitment to purity that you won't be involved with somebody of the opposite sex until you, you've got married. Those decisions frame our lives and help us to, to live out our calling to be people of purpose. Psalm 101 is turned there. The superscript says a psalm of, of David. This psalm was written early in David's reign in, in Jerusalem. He had um, inherited a divided land and a discouraged people whose spiritual lives were at the low point. And we, we read about that in Psalm 78, 56 to 72. If you're on background to what was going on right early in, in David's reign. Um, and God's answer to this crisis in, in the nation of Israel where, where things were going wrong, the people were, were divided and discouraged. The spiritual lives at a, 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 at a low end. And, and God's answer to that was David, who he called as king. David was certainly Israel's greatest king. You've probably heard this quote. Everything rises and falls with leadership, with people of purpose. And David writes his resolutions early in his reign, and we find this in Psalm 101. Now I want you to notice, uh, before we start, the I wills. So I want you to say them with me as we go through this passage. Are we going to project it on the board? Uh, I'm reading from the ESV. 
Um, okay, I realize that I left out a few of the, the I wills. Let's try it. A Psalm of David. Okay, say it after me. I will sing of the steadfast love and, and justice. To you, Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when you, oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my heart, in, within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Now, gentlemen, we, we need to learn verses like that. Just look at those words. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. You know, when we memorize God's word, he, he burns his truth on our, our consciences. And how many of us need that to direct our paths? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy Whoever has a, a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on, of the, on the faithful in the land, they will, that, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless, interesting words, shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. So far we read in God's word. Now it's interesting that Psalm 101 can be Divided up in, in different ways. One of the ways we can look at it is David's devotion. David's devotion to God is his heart. We see his heart. And friends, there, there should be no difference between our, our uh, uh, private lives and our public lives. Isn't it so true that the wheels come off? What people pretend to be in public is not what they're really like. There should be no difference between our private life and our, our public life. David's devotion, then David's discernment, his, his eyes, what David saw. Devotion, discernment, and, and then David's decision, his, his will. If David was to serve God's will, he, he needed to be a man of decision. Listen carefully. We need men, we need women of God to be people of decision. David would not allow or make excuses or delay his decisions. Some of the decisions he would take as a king would be, be difficult to take. And so we have David's devotion, David's discernment, David's decisions, his heart, his eyes, his, his will. Now we can also divide up, and this is how I've used it today, uh, the psalm into two parts. David's personal values, the first four verses, and then David's public life, the second half of that uh, psalm. Friends, the question I ask us this, this morning is, is, do you live with purpose? Do you live with purpose? purpose. A professor of a, a Bible seminary once expressed his concern by saying the following, 
I fear we may be turning out graduates with a great number of beliefs, but not enough conviction. It's one thing to have beliefs, but it's another thing to have convictions. Okay. Another battery. Here we are. Okay. Okay. There we go. Friends, it's one thing to have beliefs, to know truths. It is a totally different thing to have convictions. You see, conviction gives belief a backbone. David wasn't just satisfied with a lot of beliefs and truths floating around his head. He penned them down to concrete convictions. And so in Psalm 101, he's saying, I'm committed to God's purpose. Whatever it happens to be, I'm committed to what God wants for my life. Now, how do we discover divine purpose? We're going to look firstly at David's personal values, verse 1 to 4, and then second, David's public life, verses 8, sorry, verses 4 to 8. The first four verses lists four great resolutions, if I can call it that, decisions he made. Here we see David's personal values. The first value is honor, verse 1. Here in the next one we see David's devotion. Remember the first D to God, David's devotion. We, We see David's hearts. I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. Last week I spoke about raising your hands. Amen. I was watching. To you, O Lord, I will make music. What does David value? Steadfast love and justice. These values don't only define God, they they give the values by which God wants us to operate. Remember Micah the prophet, that famous verse, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. What? He's still okay, gone. Back on? Great. What does Micah the prophet say? Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Love, that, that word, that Hebrew word, that word that's difficult to, dis, to define, chesed, the idea of mercy and, and kindness and loyalty is in a sense carried over in the, in the New Testament word grace, but not totally captured by it. Justice, the, the mishpat, the, the orderly administration of, of government, and, and that's certainly what our country needs at this time. Rule that allows everyone to live peaceful and productive lives. Just yesterday I was reading uh, the app News 24 and one of the headings was, the news headings was, who should discipline the disciplinarians? Speaking about the government. David commits his life to these two divine qualities, these godlike qualities. And resolves to make these two qualities the song of his life. Thank you. Are you going to need a mic? Thank you. Okay. And so the first value that David has is honor. Number one is honor. 
Number two, we see in verse two is integrity. You can write it in your notes if you're taking sermon notes. David says, verse 2, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of hearts within my house. Now, if you've got the... Uh, I'm still coming through on time, that's right. Either use the word blameless... Um, NIV, you have the word blameless. Integrity is being single-minded, not double-minded. It is being in private what you are in public, the, the real you. And friends, I say that those of us who have children, they know exactly how far our integrity goes because they, they see us behind closed doors. I'll never forget, I worked at the bank for six years. And I sat next to a guy who was a Christian, who said he was a Christian. And I left in uh, the end of 1990. I left the bank or January uh, 1990. And it must have been six months later. And that's going back to 1990 when the rand was worth a little bit more. And 80,000 rand disappeared out of the vault of that bank that I worked at, that branch. Uh, and the number of Months later, they caught this guy. Uh, won't go into all that. Who he said he was, he wasn't. This, this great Christian, this popular guy who we worked with, who in fact sat right next to me, and he swindled the bank. He, he wasn't who he, he said he was. He, he lacked integrity. In Psalm 15, verses 1 and 2, uh, the, the psalmist David, he ponders... Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless. In other words, the, the person of integrity. Who does, not who thinks. The one who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth. Notice this. Who speaks the truth from their heart. You see what's in your heart, that, that's integrity. Honor, integrity, and then the next value, verse 3, is honesty. Here we see David's discernment, what he saw. You see, your outlook determines outcome. Outlook determines outlook. Verse 3, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Those are interesting words, aren't they? I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who, who fall away. In other words, those who turn away from God. And then David says, these things will not cling to me. Isn't it so true that these things begin to, to cling to our life? They, they become habits in our, our lives. Verse 3 speaks about two things, about what we look at. In the words of 1 John 2.16, the, the lust of the eyes, that's what John calls it, what we look at. Friends, are you, and gentlemen, are, are you feasting your eyes on, on things that you shouldn't be looking at? It speaks about what we look at and also what we seek after. You see, godly people set the best goals guided by God's will because outlook determines outcome. Outlook determines outcome. Godly people not only set the right goals, but they, they use the right methods to achieve those goals. In other words, the ends doesn't justify the means. Now I've been, I'm getting into trouble when I get home. I can just tell you that now. Uh, I've been teaching Timothy and Christy to drive. And so somebody asked me recently, Pastor, why are you going so gray? 
uh, well, I won't say anything, I promise. But uh, this takes me back about 25 years. Now I'm going to get into even more trouble as you figure that out. Uh, it's our 25th wedding anniversary on Tuesday. And, uh, and it takes me back to, to worthy goals. Now, the way to a girl's heart, gentlemen, are you all listening carefully? Young men, the way to a girl's heart, wait for it, guys, is to teach her to drive. <laughs> Worthy goals, I can speak to that. I, I give total testimony to that. My wife is laughing at me. But gentlemen and ladies, do you have worthy goals? Where is your power and your influence? Do you have power and influence at school, whether you're a student or, or maybe you're on a, a, a school board? I was like that a few years ago when we were in our previous church. Do you have power and influence on a committee you serve on? Or maybe a, a church ministry or perhaps your, your place of work where you stop the rot and the dishonesty and, and the, corruption, the corruption. Do you have worthy goals, ladies and gentlemen? You see, David, he uses a strong word. I hate the work of those who, who fall away. David is speaking about those who, who turn their, their back on God's ways, who have abandoned God's way for their own way or the world's way. And friends, doesn't our generation need honesty? Then the final value, purity, verse 4. So far David had resolved to be a man of honor, a man of integrity, a man of honesty, and now he resolves to be a man of purity, knowing no evil. It's an interesting word, that knowing, experiencing no evil. This has to be the reason why later, both in the Old Testament and quoted in Acts again, David is ascribed as the man after God's own heart. Few people can say, verse 4, A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing evil. Solomon, David's son, the man of wisdom, wrote about, and listen carefully, he wrote about the value of personal purity. Proverbs 11, verse 19 to 21, I'm going to read from the CSB. Genuine righteousness, listen to this, genuine righteousness, Solomon says, leads to life. But pursuing evil leads to death. Those with twisted minds are detestable to the Lord. But those with blameless conduct are God's delight. Be assured that the wicked will not go unpunished. And, and then, then these, the, the, these interesting words, the last line, listen to this. But the descendants, in other words, this person's children, the descendants of the righteous will be delivered. Now friends, don't miss this part of the verse. A pure life is, is actually a spiritual investment. The dividends being enjoyed, to be enjoyed by your children. You see, God has a, a purity investment plan, a spiritual account you establish now. And your descendants, your children, cash in late, uh, later. Then you all know those whose lives, whose marriages, whose families have fallen apart because of impurity. But then the others who have followed God's ways and, and their families and, and generations have been blessed. 
You see, I can't overemphasize the, fa- the value of a pure life. Isn't it true that so many have a, a curiosity about perversion and, and evil? We are somehow attracted, we, we, we're drawn to it, and, and certainly the media seems to cash in on it. They've found that the, the public interest is high when it comes to evil. I remember some years ago, Oscar Pistorius' case, and our people were, were glued to the news to, to hear what was happening in that, that court case. David realized that a, a perverse heart would only weaken his spiritual life. Let me say it again. Friends, a, a perverse heart and the evil things you want to see and listen to will only destroy or weaken your spiritual life. A woman who once lived a wicked past, she was gloriously saved and eventually married a pastor. But you know, sadly, those evil uh, memories of things she did had a way of lingering in her mind. David resolved to know no evil. How much better to be pure and inexperienced. Young people, there's nothing wrong in being stupid or not knowing about things that you shouldn't know about. How much better to be pure and inexperienced than to be scarred by impure memories that are quick to play back at a moment's notice. Isn't that true? Those things have come to mind so quickly. Imagine that investigators had to do an audit of your life. What would you hope that they wouldn't discover about your past? How can you keep yourself from evil? That's the question we're asking today. What things do you need to change? How did David keep on track? All of us know that David started out so well, but he he lost the plot a little later on in his life. Having stated his four resolutions in, in Psalm 101, David continues with several declarations to keep him on, on course in pursuit of his divine purpose. And friends, I want to say to you that, that every one of us, if you're a, a child of God, there is a divine purpose for your life. Don't forget that. God has a plan and a purpose for your life and your life and your life and your life. How did David keep on track? David now no longer looks within, but now he begins to look around him. David now considers the influence of different types of people on his life. First, we've seen David's personal values, honor, integrity, honesty, purity. But, but now we take a look at, at David's public life, his, his personal values, his, his public life. We've seen David's devotion, his discernment, his, and now we see David's decisions. That's an important word. We, we need to take decisions about our purpose in life. And as we look at the last four verses, we're going to see two things there. We're going to see the people that that David avoided in his closest friendship circle, those people who he did not allow to influence his life. And then we're going to see people he sought after, people who could speak into his life, his closest friends, his his cabinet, uh, his government, people he would work with on a personal level. level. And so firstly, very briefly, I'll go through this quickly. People that David avoided, verse 5a, the the slanderer. Verse 5, whoever slanders his, his neighbor secretly, David says, I will destroy. 
David would put an end to the slanderer, to the smear campaigns, to the, to the backstabber. Verse 5b, he would avoid the proud. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, David says, I will not endure. Show me a proud person and I will show you a person who brings contention. Verse 7a, the deceiver. No one who practices deceit, listen to this, shall dwell or live in my house. You see, David wanted to keep that influence out of his home. The Hebrew word rendered practice can also refer to the, the place of authority. You see, deception refers to misleading others by telling half the story or, or keeping back the truth or, or hiding the, the real motives. And I'm sure you've seen that in relationships, at work, even in the church, sadly, sometimes, that people are not totally truthful. And David says, I'm not going to allow the deceiver to come close to me. 7B, the liar. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. You see, David had a policy, now which this, this was the government's policy. Anyone caught lying could not keep his position of authority. Wouldn't that be great? If we had a government, there'd be nobody left. Uh, not really. But uh, and the position of authority could be anywhere, a work, a job, family, whatever. But David would not allow those people to speak into his life. And lastly, verse 8, the wicked. Morning by morning, I will. Remember, that's the decision that, that David has taken. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. In other words, Jerusalem. He doesn't mean he's going to take them out, but he means he's going to keep them away. David avoided all his people to keep them from influencing his life. And remember those profound words, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Paul says to us, do not be deceived. In other words, do not be fooled, friends. Bad company corrupts good morals. I remember that saying, that idiom, birds of a feather flock together, and that's often so true. You see, we eventually become like people we associate with. If you want to become godly, then you need to mix. Not only do you spend time with God, but you need to spend time with God's people. Deception is the devil's tool. And I want to say to you, church, this morning, that if you give him a foothold, a foothold he will be there. He will be be there. And if you're Christian, all the more reason for that. These are the people that David avoided. And then there were people that David sought out. Verse 6a, the faithful. Verse 6, I will look with favor on the faithful in the land. Interesting. That they may Dwell with me. Isn't it interesting? David wanted faithful people in his closest circle. And lastly, verse 6b, the blameless. He who walks in the way that is blameless, this is very interesting, shall minister to me. Isn't that interesting? David wanted people who were blameless, who were upright, to minister into his life. So David defined his life by four values. Honor, integrity, honesty, purity. And then he kept his life purpose on track by allowing godly people to speak into his life. In other words, David decided, 
David chose. David made, made a decision to surround himself with godly people. At the end of the summer of 1874, an unusual gathering took place. It was remarkably fine weather for September when four or five hundred descendants of, of Jonathan Edwards poured into the resort town of, 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 of Stockbridge, Massachusetts for a, a family reunion. They lunched under a, a great tent that had been provided by Yale University. They admired the memorabilia from the Edwards family, such as Sarah Edwards' wedding dress and the silver bowl from which Jonathan Edwards had eaten his nightly porridge. And they poked around the old house, which was substantially unchanged. That gathering teemed with professors and business executives, government officials, ministers, and according to one account, women of unusual beauty and force of character. Force of personality. The mood of the reunion was expressed by the initiator of the gathering when he said, Let God be praised for such a man. Just think about that. Would people say that about you when you've passed on? Let God be praised for such a man or such a woman, may I say, of, of purpose. His remarks were followed by many laudatory speeches that excited the glee of Jonathan Edwards' descendants. All in all, it was as proud a celebration of ancestry as it has ever been held in the United States. A study by the New York Genealogi uh, Genealogical and Historical Society says, probably no two people married since the beginning of the 18th century have been progenitors of so many distinguished persons as were Jonathan Edwards and Sarah Pierpont. 26 years later in 1900, a man by the name of A.E. Winship did a study of Edwards' descendants and this study has become famous. Winsor concluded that from the single union of Jonathan Edwards and Sarah Pierpont came 13 college presidents, 65 professors, 100 lawyers, and a dean of an outstanding law school, 30 judges, 66 physicians, and a dean of a medical school, and 80 holders of public office, among them three United States senators. Mayors of three large cities, governors of three states, a vice president of the United States, and a controller of the United States Treasury. Winship concluded, There is scarcely any great American industry that has not had one of his family among its chief promoters. The family has cost the country nothing in pauperism or crime, in hospital or asylum service. On the contrary, it represents the highest usefulness. Are you living a life of purpose? Are you Learning, living a life of purpose. Friends, are you, are you living a life of divine purpose? You see, the question this morning is this. Have you defined your values? That's the big question. In your life as you sit here in this church on the 23rd of January 2022, have you defined who you are, what you stand for, your spiritual values? Have you surrounded yourself with godly people? And are you a person who has discovered your divine
as we close, what is the Spirit saying to you this morning? Let's be quiet as we bow our heads in prayer. And as we reflect on the words of this message of the Lord, Father, we just thank you for your word. The power of the word that speaks right into the heart and dissects the, the bone and marrow. Oh God, won't you speak this morning? Spirit of the living God, we pray, fall afresh on us. Lord, minister to us right where we are right now and, and speak. And Lord, we pray that you would say specific things to specific people this morning. And people of God, as we respond, won't we be obedient to the word of God in our lives, in your life this morning? Won't you commit what the Spirit says to you right now? If you failed, won't you say, Lord, I'm, I confess I failed in this area, but today I want to change that. Lord, won't you help me to set the, the specific goals because I want to be a person, a person of divine purpose. Lord, I want to live out your plans in my life. Won't you ask God to do that in your life right now? Perhaps there's somebody here this morning as our heads are bowed who has never come to Jesus. I know today the Spirit of God is speaking to you and calling you the first step of being a, a child of God. Won't you pray this morning, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know up to now I've, I've missed my divine purpose, but today I, I want to walk with you and become a child of God. Father, I pray that you would take my life. I confess my sin and ask that you would guide me and make me a child of God. Won't you pray that right now? If you've prayed this morning, won't you raise your hand? I won't embarrass you. Is there anybody like it this morning? Lord Jesus, I want to be a child of God. As the worship team comes forward, won't you be bowed? Father, we thank you for this word. Father, we thank you for Psalm 101 that speaks directly into our lives and our, our life purpose. Father, we come afresh to, to surrender our lives, our plans, our purposes, our, our goals, our, our values to you. Because we want to be a child of God with a divine purpose. Lord, won't you do that this morning for those who are calling out to you. We pray that all in your precious name. Amen.